Digital Gonzo, episode 70, dated Thursday the 19th of April 2012. Thor. Jane, I think you want to see this. Where did he come from? Name? He said it was Thor. For a crazy homeless person, he's pretty cut. How'd you get inside that cloud? Also, how could you eat an entire box of Pop-Tarts and still be this hungry? This drink, I like it. Another! This is going on Facebook. Smile. Your ancestors called it magic, and you call it science. Well, I come from a place where they're one and the same. But who are you, really? You'll see soon enough. God, I hope you're not crazy. Will you swear to guard the lives of the innocent and preserve the peace? I swear. I will destroy their kind. You can't kill an entire race and die with them. This is the fourth part of the five official Marvel superhero movie reviews leading up to The Avengers. This week we're talking about the first cinematic outing for Marvel's God of Thunder. Next week we're doing Captain America the First Avenger, and all of us will be seeing and reviewing The Avengers for the week after. Rejoining me on the helicarrier are Gonzo Planet's Jerome McIntosh and Paul Gibson. Hello. Hello. From Kane and Rince, it's Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And from Game Burst and KDS 2.0, Neil Taylor. Good evening. Thor, just like Iron Man and Hulk, appeared in crappy short 1960s cartoons. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder the god of thunder, mighty Thor. Now, my unsuspecting half-brother is due for a deadly surprise. Prepare yourself, Thor, for Loki is coming! Traveling at the speed of thought, the merciless immortal reaches our slumbering planet and mystically changes into modern dress. Ah, back on Earth once more, after countless ages. Now to the hospital and my arch-enemy, Thor. It's beyond belief. He's been transformed into living negatives. Help us, somebody help! A few short blocks away, Dr. Don Blake and his lovely nurse hear the commotion. What is it, Doctor? What's happening? Some supernatural force is at work. I must help, but not as Dr. Don Blake. But, Doctor, why, he's gone. Once again, I must change my cane into the magic hammer. A four! God of thunder! Hulk, it's Mighty Thor! Ah, my simple feat of enchantment has done its work well. Clear the street. Some sinister magical force is at work. As I rotate my hammer, antimatter particles will be emitted. There, it's working, wondrously whirling like a super fan. It blows the antimatter particles at the negative victims, causing the antimatter to reverse their atoms, transforming them into positive humans once more. The spell is over! We're normal again! Thanks to Thor! What a great display of skill! You were wonderful. 
But unlike those two, he did not reappear properly on our screens with any regularity, aside from guesting on other characters' shows. He was on the Incredible Hulk, Fantastic Four, and Spider-Man cartoons, a live-action spot in The Return of the Incredible Hulk, and fleetingly referenced in Avengers United They Stand. He appeared in a watered-down version of his ultimate incarnation in Ultimate Avengers, without a beard, and its sequel. He appeared in Hulk vs. Thor, and had a colossal ruck with the Jade Giant, and that's probably his best on-screen outing until now. And finally got a regular slot on Earth's Mightiest Heroes. No, no, I take it back. That's his best incarnation. The net result is that most people didn't know the character well until this movie came out. So like Iron Man, the filmmakers were able to reinform the public on a mass scale as to the ins and outs of the God of Thunder. Thor was the most disappointing Marvel film since Howard the Duck. So Sir Anthony Hopkins kicks the crap out of the Frost Giants. He kidnaps the leader's son and holds him to ransom, tells the kid he's his father, makes him believe he could be king of Asgard someday, and then proceeds to spend the next thousand years telling his real son how fucking incredibly strong and brave he is. Not sure why Thor and Loki only look about 27 at this point. Maybe it's like cat years or something. Like that lion cat I once owned who stole my goddamn station wagon and drove to Vegas and married a mobster's wife. So maybe in Asgard every 37 years is like one year to us. Or maybe it's like Highlander and you just stop aging after a certain point. But that doesn't explain why everybody isn't 27. I mean, Olden looks older than I am. And I'm 104 years old. So Odin throws a party to remind Thor he's a total badass. The kid goes off and starts a war with the poopers who pooped his party. And Odin is both surprised and disappointed in his son. After a thousand years of him being an arrogant, warmongering bully. I ground him to his room until he can play nice. Only his room happens to have Natalie Portman in it. God, I want that punishment so bad. Then his other kid, the one who's not really his kid, but more like Theon Greyjoy from Game of Thrones, or some other political prisoner, works out he's got a little frost giant in him, and asks his father what the hell's going on. At which point, sensing an overwhelmingly awkward conversation, Odin conveniently falls asleep for an indeterminate amount of time. That kind of reminds me of my ex-wife whenever a conversation cropped up about the noises coming from my crawl space. You made her cry. You keep quiet in there! You don't know what your actions would unleash. Turns out Loki was really the son of this guy and OH MY GOD WHAT'S WRONG WITH YOUR FACE! Email me if you want a picture of and for the record, it's also the shortest Odin sleep ever. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. How, how, it's supposed to last quite a long time. How long are they supposed to last? Uh, Years sometimes, isn't yeah. it? It depends. It depends on which incarnation. It differs, but usually it's it is a long time. It's it not lasts as long as the narrative requires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there is yeah. that fact. This is more like the Odin nap. <laughs> the Odin, the Odin power winks. Nice. Um, actually, okay, right. So. First things last, who's familiar with Thor the comic? Um, no, um, I am familiar with Thor in um, co- in several comic book incarnations. Like The Ultimates mm. is the one that I'm most familiar with and really like. 
but as a character on his own, I'm not that familiar with him. I can't even remember him in the cartoons. The the biggest influence I think I've had with Thor or or time spent with Thor was Marvel Ultimate Alliance 1, where I kept him in the party because he was pretty dumb. Oh, yeah. He's totally badass in that. He just thwacks dudes with his hammer. Actually, uh, we're not really spoken about video games, but the first Marvel Ultimate Alliance is really pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And it has a good roster as well. Mm. Oh, actually, I will mention this. One thing that really pisses me off about that game, it does have a good roster, but they held some of the characters back for DLC, and you now can't buy that DLC. Oh, I didn't know that. That's horrible. I've got that DLC, but... You jammy sod! You can't be the Hulk in that game, ever! Mm. Never again! It, it was some thing to do with a limited license or something. Some of the DLC was like, you know, you had to do a certain thing or buy a certain thing or something. I don't know. I, I think you could get... two packs, wasn't it? There was the Heroes yeah. and Villains pack. Yeah. There was Hawkeye was at least one of them, and Hulk was another one. Hawkeye, Nightcrawler, and Cyclops, I think, were the Heroes ones. I'd have liked to have been Nightcrawler. Seriously, they put the Moon Knight in instead of Hawkeye. And I think the villains pack was Doctor Doom, Magneto, and I forget who else. Doctor Doom and Magneto are DLC. That yep, makes yeah. no sense. That doesn't. Why would they hang out with with everyone in the Marvel universe? <laughs> Especially since, like, it aren't, isn't Doctor Doom like the main villain in the game? Yes, I think so. It's been a while since I played it. Oh. Help Doom to go and kill Doom. I'll explain later. <laughs> it's a Doom bot. Just do what they do with yeah, the there we go. It's always yeah. a Doom bot. Doom yeah. Bot. Anyway, we're slightly off the subject, but that's the point with Thor. He's always slightly off the subject. <laughs> <laughs> He's always entangled in someone else's story most of the time. Yeah. This is like one of the few first times that he's got his own. Mm. I'm sure at one or, point. I'm sure at one point in the comics he got turned into a frog. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was going to mention that later, but yeah, he does get turned into a frog. A six-foot fighting mad frog. Well, Also, he's one of the first few Marvel characters to have a beard, and then not have a beard, and then have a beard again. And have another beard. It's just awkward, because I mean, I remember when they were talking about doing the, these two, Thor and Cap, that mm. this was this was going to be the awkward one, because this is the... This is the Marvel character that relies on the magic and mysticism more than what we'd seen before. Because everything up until now had been Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk, which are two, for one better word, scientific-based. You know, they rely on technology and science. Well, at least science that we understand, sort of, kind of, yeah. You know, that's how they have the powers. Tony Stark's basically a dude in a really advanced uh, mech suit, and the Mm. Hulk's just... uh, Yeah, he's the Hulk. Radiation makes him super strong and... Uh, unable to be damaged. But, he's, but uh, th- th- those are concepts. It's science did it. We can follow that. That's really easy. Yeah. But now, and they did fairly well. Um, and then you, they introduced a character that is much more based in uh, the tales of the you know the Norse gods and mythology, magic and yeah. mythology. And yeah, this was going to be a awesome. literal character. From and let's right? face it, that you know the um, Bifrost is a rainbow bridge. Hmm. That could have come off looking um, really cheesy. Thor, like so many other classical Marvel heroes, first appeared in a comic that was not his own. Anybody? Journey into Mystery. Well done! Number... I don't know that one. (laughs) 83. Well done, though. Uh, Iron Man appeared first in Tales of Suspense number 39. Uh, Spider-Man appeared in... I should know that one. Amazing Fantasy number 15. Uh, Silver Surfer appeared in... Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four, Yep, number 48. Uh, Wolverine appeared in... Incredible Hulk. Number 80, yes.
Someone mentioned that the design of Asgard was similar to the Chronicles of Riddick. Only not I God. Kind, I kind of see what they mean. Uh, um, I, the whole, like, necromancer-type like, armor. Necromunga, sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of some other thing. There are a lot of weird and loopy designs for the armor, and everyone walks around being very, very serious in this very outlandish gear. So I think that's possibly where they tied it up. And also, the presence of Colm Fior can't hurt. Uh, or, or, no, in fact, can hurt. In fact, he is one of the most boring actors walking the planet, and he doesn't even walk. He sort of slides along its surface, boring everyone to tears. Colm Fior is the guy who plays Laufrey. He's also the chief necromonger, the Lord Marshal in uh, Chronicles of Riddick. Ah, right, yeah. He's actually not bad as Luffy. In, in fact, it's, it's, it's a relatively interesting, subdued, powerful performance. But knowing that it's Colmfjord doing it, I have as irrational a distaste for Colmfjord as Mark Kermode has for Julian Sands. Because the ice giants, uh, for me, were actually one of Frost the... giants. Frost giants. Giants. Um, they struck me as one of the weaker elements of the movie because they're bit... They're, the story keeps telling you that the they're these threatening like enemies that the gods fought long ago, mm-hmm. but you never get the sense that they're that big of a threat because they no. kind of just get their asses kicked every time they encounter the gods. They're easily manipulated and they're relatively easy to kick the ass off. In fact, yeah, so that they're secondary threats. I feel like it's mainly the, the fact that they were the only ones that stood against the Asgardians while all the other realms hmm. made alliances with them. Hmm. It's just more in this movie there are more means to an end than anything. Yeah. That you know they're, they're just there to you know the reason why Thor gets sent to his room with Natalie Portman. In. I want a room like that. Okay, so the design of Asgard itself. It really shows that Branner is a, a, a big fan of Thor and has been since he read the comic books as a child. When you first see Asgard, it really is breathtaking and it's basically space heaven. It's got this incredible mountainous sort of like, it, it's almost like Narnia in sense of scope, but with this immense sort of futuristic but mythological architecture. I think they really did, they did a fantastic job of, of making Asgard seem, if not real, then otherworldly and tangible and as a fan of Norse mythology I really appreciated having like a really modern take on that world anyway like regardless of the comic book connections Mm. I just think it's nice to have that that world that exists in you know our history and our culture brought to life in that way Uh, I sat and watched it with my girlfriend who's Swedish and oh god so many times oh that's not that that should look like this oh god (laughs) I thought she should have appreciated that someone was employing her culture well you would have thought so (laughs) yes but if they're employing (laughs) the culture wrong I suppose so (laughs) yeah like I suppose Sweden very rarely gets represented on on big western films so yeah I I do like the fact that Selvig later on uh, you know, reads books and we actually get to see sort of these uh, little childlike interpretations of Thor and Odin and the Rainbow Bridge. See, I mean, the only problem I have with Asgard is sometimes it looks a little bit empty. Yeah, it is pretty vast. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just what they're trying to convey. It's, it's a vast space, mm. but it, it just seems a little empty sometimes. You would look, If it had a little bit more motion in it, um, I think that would... But on the whole... It's bleeding gorgeous. It is gorgeous. It doesn't really have any sense of of um, 
uh, bustle to it, though. There aren't. There isn't an obvious hierarchy of you know these guys are at the top, these guys are in the middle, these guys are at the bottom doing the serving of the wenches and the stuff. Uh, it's it just seems that everyone in Asgard is you know has pretty much gone to Valhalla, which is not the same place. Uh, Thor even mentions it. Mm. Yeah, so technically, it's not space heaven. No, it's it's more just a sort of it's a it's a place, a planet. Yes. And they, they do explain repeatedly and, and, and quite kind of semi-convincingly that, uh, you know, that this universe, Yggdrasil, the, the world tree, is beautifully realised and sort of there's this sense of vastness of space and Asgard at the top and I, the other eight realms sort of, you know, going down the branches and down the trunk all the way down to... I don't know, are we at the bottom? No. No, we're in the middle. In the oh, we're in the middle. Ah, nice. That's why Earth is so important. Ah, we are. Are we Midgard? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, hence middle in the middle. Yeah. So yeah, there's the, the whole bit at the beginning happens, and then Thor gets set off. This actually probably this is kind of it's not the most boring bit for me, but it, for me, the the film is actually more engaging when Thor gets to Earth. For a lot of people, it was the exact opposite. Mm. They like really? the imagery of, of Asgard, uh, but they thought it was quite boring when he gets to New Mexico. For me, it's the other way around. It's like you know, let's, let's just get the big theatrical stuff out the way, the Warriors Three, and, and all of that stuff. It's, just, it's mainly just because the fact that their costumes look so silly, and, and that the big epic things they are talking of are just sort of, sort of so out of step with the rest of the Marvel universe that it's more just a way of setting up Thor as this person who's completely on a different plane of reality to everyone else on Earth and then popping him in amongst us. Um, just to defend the people that say the first uh, few scenes are better than the New Mexico stuff, um, the action sequence with Thor and the other gods with the Frost Giants is... Next. Is... Yeah probably one of the best action sequences in the film yeah. um, I, I really like the way they show off um, Thor's abilities and they kind of show off all the classic moves he has like spinning yeah. the hammer, summoning yeah. lightning, hitting the ground so there's a huge ripple of earth um, it's, re- it's really really impressive just to show you how powerful this guy is to start, mm. to start with sorry, um, but like I agree with you. I actually think the New Mexico stuff is more interesting because that's where the character v- development starts. To- and also, it's it, it's a crisis. It's, it's an emotional crisis for the character. Ultimately, everyone's pulses are, are perfectly normal throughout. Even during the big action sequence, they're like, "This is what we do. We're the Warriors Five. It's Sith and the Warriors Three plus Thor and Loki. Who <laughs> the Warriors who Six? <laughs> Loki who just doesn't really do much." He, he just schemes and manipulates. Oh, Loki's always been one for mischief. In a thousand years, he's he's never done anything. He's never he's never found out that he's vaguely frost gianty. In a thousand years, well, he doesn't realise that. I don't think they. I get the feeling they've not actually. These lot haven't fought the frost giants before. Wow, too no. many F's in that sentence. Uh, because during the fight, um, is it Volstag shouts, don't let them touch you because yeah. they start to freeze him or yeah. freeze part of his armour. And then when the one grabs Loki, that's when he finds out. Mm. 
So yeah, that's of course the first clue for him. I guess they just haven't been all that, you know, close to the Jotuns for, for, for you know, a millennia. Well, I think it's more to do with the whole truce thing, whereas the Frost Giants aren't supposed to leave their realm and nobody's supposed to go to their realm. Hmm. Okay, and we can probably talk about, uh, I've got uh, one, two, three, four, six characters and six actors to uh, talk about in this film. The first one here is An- Sir Anthony Hopkins as Odin. In full scenery chewing form. Totally. There's a bit where where Loki starts to speak and he goes, Thor, Odin son, you have betrayed the express command of your king. Through your arrogance and stupidity, you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and desolation of war. You are unworthy of these realms. You're unworthy of your title. You're unworthy. I now take from you your power. In the name of my father and his father before. I owed it all, father. Cast you up. the moment that where he realizes Thor has no humility he's he yeah. he needs to be taken down that peg or two yeah and if you think about it if he'd left him with all his powers and whatnot he'd just defy him again yeah I mean what can you do to this turn of mortal who's who decides to go against your wishes constantly well it, it, it does make actually kind of perfect sense if it's like look you this guy you know, he, he he has no character growth as he is. I'm going to need to basically work out a way to give him some character, some to learn him some pain. I mean, if you think about it, none of the things weren't supposed to fall apart as they were. I mean, maybe the amount of time Thor would have spent on Earth would have been miniscule in comparison mm. to to a thousand years. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he, he, he doesn't exactly just go, yeah, you're gone. I mean, mm. the moment he, he, he strips him of his army, he mm. strips him of his powers, talks him mm. through, but then he says to the hammer, whomsoever is worthy of holding this hammer may possess the power of Thor. It's, it's not really a trap, but it's, it, he sets things in motion to bring Thor back as soon as he stops being such a dick. He needs to learn a lesson. He learns needs to learn that lesson in humility. The funny thing is, when you look, if you break this movie down into the story ideas, it's nothing new, but its execution is what makes this so fantastic. Mm. And as you said, the characters as well, because I mean, Auntie Hopkins turns up and he pulls off wearing a really gaudy-looking eye patch really well. Yeah, and he's got full armor as well. And he's sort of walking around. And he has he has some very mythological lines to go through. But you believe him as a king. He's kind of like a more virtuous version of Hrothgar from Beowulf. It's like he's already done this before. Still hag Beowulf. Well, to pull off that kind of role, you need like a big Shakespearean actor who just fills the room with their presence, and that's exactly what Anthony Hopkins does. Yeah. And Kenneth Branagh is. Uh, well-versed in directing Shakespearean-type performances. So, in many ways, he was perfect for this kind of film as well. 
Absolutely, yeah. Wasn't Brian Blessed slated for it at one point? I was going to say. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? You are not worthy. Interestingly, Tom Hiddleston, who plays Loki, was originally going to pitch to play Thor. Did you guys not notice he's built like a stick? <laughs> yeah, he's so much better at being being Loki. Yeah. Um, while we're on uh, Tom Hiddleston, um, I actually, um, I don't know what you guys think of him, but I actually think he's one of the stronger parts of the movie. Absolutely, yeah. No, um, yeah. Really he's him. a really great... The thing is, a lot of villains in a lot of these comic book movies are kind of really just like bad people. Um, especially when we talk about Captain America next week, where the Red Skull... Oh, yeah, Herr Schmidt is ridiculous. Yeah, he's just completely black as a character. Whereas, you see, uh, I kill my own men. <laughs> yeah. But um, Loki, he, he's, he goes about what he wants to do in the wrong way, mm. but his motivations aren't entirely evil. If you get what I'm saying, he, he's he's desperate for the love of his father, and he wants his father to appreciate him. The problem is, is that he's just making a bunch of bad decisions, really. Yeah, he says to Thor later, and I actually believe that this is one of the few things that comes out of his mouth. It's not a lie at all. I never wanted to be king. I just wanted to be your equal. But he was specifically told when they were kids by Odin, only one of you could be king, but both of you were born to be kings. Which, I mean, he's kind of thinly veiling the thing of, uh, you know, you, Loki, you can rule Jotunheim. It's bloody freezing. (laughs) There you go. But he's not telling him that. So he's been lied to for a thousand years. So as far as he's concerned, he's just evening the score. It's weird because um, there is a point in the movie where I thought they were going to go like full-on bad guy with Loki because he mm. suddenly decides to join the, join the frost giants out of nowhere and you think, yeah. what? what? What's going on? This, this, isn't, this isn't exactly where I thought the character was going but then it's revealed later on that it's a double cross. He's just getting the frost giants in there so he can stage this big drama about mm. him saving his father so he looks good in everyone's eyes yeah. which really... makes total sense. I really love that part because like, you don't actually see that coming. That's sort of a twist that's kind of eluded from you. You don't think he's just trying to do all this to get his father to accept him. Mm. You think he's trying to lash out and get revenge. Knowing, by the way, that he's killing his real father as well. Mm. Even it, it appears even Laufey isn't uh, aware of that particular connection. Although, when, when it happens, he goes, What? <laughs> yeah, the Frost Giants are pretty stupid. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. What, what were they doing? Because they, they, he actually double-crosses them uh, once before, because mm. he gets mm. them to come into the uh, the secret room with their... Uh, what's that uh, Frost the device? Destroy it. Oh, no, they, that is the Casket of Ancient Winters. Ah, right. The source okay. of their power that Odin took from them, along with uh, Loki, when he defeated them a thousand years ago. You'd think after that little incident where two uh, frost giants just get their asses handed to them, mm. handed to them by the destroyer, um, that you know they'd think twice about trusting him again. But no, they didn't know like, it was him the first time. No. Oh yeah, no. sorry. Okay, he, fair enough. Remember, he says, um, "So you're the person who let us in to Asgard." Oh right, so he didn't know. Yeah, so you're the person who let us into Asgard and let us get destroyed by the destroyer just to mess up your brother's party. With the rest of that sentence, <laughs> actually, that's one thing that Loki didn't necessarily know was going to happen. Mm. I think he, he he figured that Thor would probably get in trouble, but not necessarily banished. 
Yeah, I get Although that. Although I, I don't think he regrets that at all. I no, think it does sort of play in with what he's is planning. Yeah. Well, he does yeah. go down there and taunt him and trying to make sure he stays there and all that sort of thing. It never really seems that he wants. He wishes his brother harm. No. Interestingly, he fights with him. He wants to he, bring him down a peg. Yeah. I mean, when they actually when they enter the ice giant's realm, he's actually saying, "You know what? We'll leave. None of this has to happen." Then obviously someone says something to set Thor off. Mm. And he, go back home, little princess, or something like that. <laughs> oh, oh, good, because he's not going to react to that at all. Brilliant. Well done there, Frost Giant number two. There's two specific bits which uh, Hiddleston really comes across well. It's when he confronts his father and goes, Tell me! And there's, like, there's a tear in his eye at that point. He really, genuinely is emotionally engaged with that. And he's not just raging about it, and he's not just off on an angry fit. He's you know, feeling re- incredibly rejected at that stage. And he's, he's looking to find some sort of connection and, and, and some sort of stability. And Odin promptly falls asleep. <laughs> the other bit is at the very end, when he's hanging on the, uh, the end of his spear, and uh, let's go. Lyra has seen this film twice and cries her eyes out at that point, even knowing that uh, Loki's the villain, because he's not been painted as a genuinely bad person. In like in a cartoonish way, so yeah, she's you know there was a connection there, and I'm really glad that they've chosen him as the villain for the Avengers mm. film because yeah. out of all the villains, I, I know most of them are dead actually, so <laughs> that wouldn't work anyway. But most of the villains, Justin Hammer, oh yeah, Justin, oh god no, oh god no. <laughs> Loki has the potential to be really interesting as an antagonist for all those characters because he's not just bad, he's no. more interesting than that. Mm. And he has designs on ruling a realm, if not, you know, Asgard. Which is so, a he technically was ruling Asgard for a bit. Yeah, but then there was that whole kind of Thor coming back thing. Um also, the, the, it works really, really well with uh, being directed by Joss Whedon because Joss Whedon has said in the past, every good villain thinks they're righteous and Loki knows that there are elements of him and elements of his plans that actually step beyond the mark but that he is also he's holding on to quite a lot of uh, of, well actually no this is uh, I was born to be a a king and if I can't be a king of Asgard sod it I'll be king of Midgard get the first aid kit do me a favour and don't be dead whoa does he need CPR because I totally know CPR where did he come from you all right? Hammer. Hammer. Yeah, we can tell you're hammered. It's pretty obvious. Oh my God, Eric, look at this. We have to move quickly before this all changes. Jane, we have to take him to the hospital. Father. He's fine. Look at him. I'm down. I know you can hear me. Open the Bifrost. Hospital. You go. I'll stay. You. What realm is this? Alfheim. Dornheim? New Mexico? You dare threaten me? Thor was so puny. What? He was freaking me out. So when, then he gets to Earth, and we're introduced, we're introduced at the very beginning to one of the shining stars of this film. And you didn't think you were going to say that, did you? No. Not after those three episodes we did, how many, about a year ago now? Natalie. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about Kat Dennings as really? Darcy. Really? I love Darcy <laughs> so goddamn much. I'm a little concerned now. 
Seriously, I mean, I know she's been in stuff like Sex in the City, but her comic delivery is mm. up there. It's, it's not quite Robert Downey Jr. level, but she's got this incredibly dry offhand, almost like she's not even acting way of just delivering her lines. And they're always throwaway, and they're always funny, and nothing of any import comes out of her mouth. And she's just there to really bring out Jane as a character. But she is such good value. I agree, actually. Um, I, I think every line she says is funny in some way. I don't think she's, you know, she's not one of those characters that has a huge impact on the plot. She, mm. doesn't, she doesn't have a character arc. She's not actually, I don't think she's that actually interesting per se. She's got but, more to her than the Black Widow. <laughs> true. <Sorry for> <laughs> um, but she's, um, she, she adds that light bit of relief that is needed when everyone's being so serious all the time. Yeah. Yes. I so want yeah. to say this. Michael Bay, pay attention. <laughs> this is how you do comic relief. Absolutely. You get people who are naturally funny in and you let them deliver well-scripted lines in an unscripted fashion. You don't deep-wang it. And you... D- <laughs> what? <laughs> and you don't give the comedy parents pop brownies. Oh, not in God. a Transformers no. film. Not in the kids' film. That is so mismatched. And, uh, yeah, she kind of is the audience. You know, she kind of reacts the way that the audience would react. Yeah, I think the audience will identify with you. are the comic relief of the film. Right, I kind of let the air out of some of the more serious moments. Right, and I think, you know, what the funny scenes in the film really is with... You know the the Midgard scenes, the Earth scenes, right? We yeah, get, we get to, we get to, we get to play. It's right. pretty lucky. It's pretty well, awesome. Besides Thor, who's your favorite superhero? Iron Man. Really, just Marvel? No, I'm serious. No, Iron Man. <laughs> I'm dead serious. No, no Wonder Woman. Oh, I love I love Wonder Woman. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of like superhero movies. Iron Man and Thor. Were you a fan of Thor growing up? Yeah, I was, because my brother collected comic books, so I would kind of. You know, sneak into his room and steal someone who wasn't looking. Or I collect comic books still. Really? Yeah. Do you have a lot of boxes Thor? And boxes, three of them. Three of big what? boxes. Of Thor? Not Thor. Of comic books. Comic books in general. But you have Thors. I don't have Thor. <gasps> what are you I know, doing? Right? I, I do have a lot of... Um, um, you have Thor shirts but no Thor <laughs> comics? We have yet. to change that. Okay, right. It has been 35 minutes. We have not spoken of Chris Hemsworth as Thor. And who got the gig thanks to? How? Oh, who? Josh. Josh. Whedon. We Joss. Every time you say Josh. I, mean, I know. Josh. <laughs> yes, Josh. 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 Whedon. <laughs> okay, you have to say more. You can't just keep saying his name. How? <laughs> um, I, was it because of Cabin in the Woods? In the woods. Because, yes. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Uh, because Josh. Cabin in the Who's Woods was filmed uh, three years uh, ago, but oh, it's right. been held up. Um, mm. They haven't released it because of some uh, one of the film company that owned it went bankrupt, oh, yeah. so they and had to sell had it to, to somebody it. else. Like Anchor Bay. So, yeah. Joss... You've you've seen Cabin in the Woods. It's quite good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's very, very good. <laughs> okay, uh, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Trouble is, it's one of those movies you can't talk about. No, don't talk about it. I want to see it badly, and I think it's probably kind of important that I see it before everyone ruins it for me when it comes out on DVD. So I'm probably gonna. But, uh, see, I thought that uh, Hemsworth had got the role after appearing in Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Eleven. He plays James T. Kirk's father at the very beginning, and he uh, sacrifices himself. I think they were trying to get that element uh, into Thor, that, that sense of blue-eyed, godlike self-sacrifice into the character, and that certainly couldn't have hurt his chances. Oh, oh. 
What is it? It's a boy. A boy? Tell me about it. He's beautiful. George, you should be here. Impact alert. What are we going to call him? We can name him after your father. Tiberius? You kidding me? No, that's the worst. Let's name him after your dad. Let's, let's call him Jim. opening bit with him and then look at him and thought you're like hey these are the same people <laughs> he's been eating potatoes <laughs> lots of them <laughs> I have to say his body is just sculpted out of clay that mm. scene where he's topless like even the boys were swooning in the yeah. theatre I, <laughs> I was see. faintly embarrassed that I am not even in the same species as this man <laughs> <laughs> it's like when Daniel Craig walks out of the water in Casino Well I'm like oh <laughs> I think until his role in Thor, he'd never done anything like weight training or anything, so he essentially learned all that while he was doing the role. Right, yeah. Because once you get to a certain weight, you have to maintain it. You can't just get buff and then, you know, relax for six weeks. Like in Predator, when they were filming that, they had to train for like four hours every morning on, on, on you know, full weights to maintain those bodies. It's like a, it's like a, um, what's it like? A museum. Needs to be constantly maintained. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth deeply resembles a certain actor that is not with us anymore, and it's actually it it it, it fills me with with an odd sense of melancholia and at the same time happiness watching him smile on screen. Anybody? You're gonna have to tell us. Sorry. Heath Ledger. Oh right, at, yeah. At the very beginning, when he smiles at his mother and gives her a wink, it's like Jesus Christ, he's back. Where did he come from? It, seriously, when you watch it the next time, just try, to, just to just picture Heath Ledger in exactly the same role, and it's spooky how close the two of them are. They're, also, they're both Australian. They both have a similar mannerism in the way they talk. Um, I suppose the closest uh, Heath Ledger came was in um, A Night's nice, nice nice Tale. tale. Yes. It, it, obviously, it remains to be seen whether Hemsworth can play someone as twisted as the Joker, but... I believed every second from the moment he was on screen that he was the God of Thunder here. He did well, yeah. have that charisma. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say exactly the same thing. He just has a natural charisma that mm. is really charming even when he's an arsehole. That's like, the even thing. at the beginning of the film where he is a complete dick. I like yeah. him. Did you it, guys watch any of the deleted scenes? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the one I'm thinking of is the one... Uh, the, if you haven't seen it, there's a deleted scene just that they cut before the sort of coronation bit where it's just him and Loki. Yeah. It's just, wow. Just watch that scene. Nervous, brother. <laughs> Have you ever known me to be nervous? Oh. Well, there was a time in Nornheim. That was not nerves, brother. That was the rage of battle. How else could I have fought my way through a hundred warriors and pulled us out alive? Uh, as I recall, I was the one who veiled us in smoke to ease our escape. <laughs> yes. Some do battle, others just do tricks. 
Loki. <laughs> now that was just a waste of good wine. Oh, it's just a bit of fun. Right, my friend? Ooh, nice feathers. <laughs> you don't really want to start this again, do you, Cal? I was being sincere. You are incapable of sincerity. Am I? Yes. I've looked forward to this day as long as you have. You're my brother and my friend. Sometimes I'm envious. And it actually really I does have make left, you been left in it. With a time reason, but the, well, the fantastic thing about that scene is they feel like brothers. That's yeah. what it is. It is a brotherly scene, and it feels like that. You know how you, they wind each other up, but it's all playful. Several people have uh, said on the forum that they didn't believe the relationship between Thor and Jane, or that it, it put them off, or that it wasn't. Um, it didn't feel uh, anything other than just superficial. Um. I'm going to have to agree with them. I don't think uh, Natalie Portman's performance is bad. In fact, I think it's actually quite good. But I felt like the whole romantic relationship between those two characters felt really rushed and inorganic. Um, And if they had spread it uh, between two movies like the Iron Man films did, because... Mm -hmm. They don't actually, you know, kiss at the end of the first Iron Man. They just leave it, and then that relationship's continued in the sequel. But in 4, it just feels like, okay, these two are in love. Yeah, guys? <laughs> believe us, right? It's, it's, a, it's no? the Disney romance plan. The See, Disney romance plan. You know, all the Disney characters fall in love in about three days. The, the thing is, originally, Jane Foster was, in the comics and in, like, the cartoon, she's a nurse. Yeah. Thor's infatuated with her because she puts her life in danger in these situations even though she's just a normal person yeah isn't she an EMT in World's Mightiest Heroes Earth's Mightiest Heroes Earth. yes she yeah. is in fact it's only actually uh, this film uh, that she's an astrophysicist yeah <laughs> oh, sorry a particle physicist in uh, they actually had they, they talked to various scientists and after apparently just one specific meeting they said right Let's change Jane from a nurse to a particle physicist then, because we're going to need to be able to explain Thor and Asgard's place in the universe with a character that we can relate to, rather than just scientist with clipboard comes in and explains it. Convenient <laughs> shield agent. Yeah. <laughs> you see, this is the world tree Yggdrasil. I actually do buy the relationship between Thor and Jane. In fact, I actually find it really sweet and engaging because Thor is everything Jane's been working towards. He's life on other planets, and he's proof of this multiple worlds theory that she's got, that the, the notion of wormholes and, and Yggdrasil itself. Then um, when he tells her, you're right, uh, it's, it's like everything she's ever wanted. Also, he's seven feet tall, beautiful, 
and really, really charming in that kind of, you know, so it's like she may not necessarily love him from this point, but she can certainly be believably infatuated. And oh, as yeah. for Thor, Jane herself is very, very charming, very, very smart, and n- very different to the kind of women that he's very used to. Not so, not only that, they've both got a naivety to them. I need a horse. We don't have horses, just dogs, cats, birds. And give me one of those large enough to ride. Hmm. And I, and I, I'm like you, I buy into it. I have no problem with it. I don't see them as in love, but they, there's some serious crushing going on. Yeah, there's definite potential for it later. But there doesn't, it doesn't have to be love. And it's also, it's, it's left, thankfully, unresolved. So it's, it's, it's like, you know, we can resume this again later. Oh, yeah, you, you can see how a relationship would develop out of it. Hmm. To the point of, yeah, I'll wait for you while you're off for God knows how long doing this, that, and the other. That doesn't seem to have been built up to properly in this. Well, actually, no, it's the, it's kind of the opposite. It, it's not the opposite, but no. she's not just waiting for him. She's trying to work out... How to get to him. Theorem yeah. ...and how to get to Asgard, and she, you know, from the sounds of it, is working with S.H.I.E.L.D. now. Well, uh, yeah, it, that's the whole end bit, isn't it? When Thor walks up to Heimdall and goes, can yes. you see her? Yes. Speaking of Heimdall. Yeah. The awesomeness yes. that is Heimdall. You may, you, yeah, Neil, Josh, you may, sorry, Joss, you may now squeal. It's the badass Idris Alba. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to laugh because I remember before Thor came out, there was the gender bending controversy of Heimdall being, well, basically black. I watched this movie and went, I don't care. Sorry, is black another gender now? I got a few trauma in my head then for some reason. The gender bender. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? There was a load of controversy over the fact yeah. that they cast a black actor. Then you see the movie, you're like, damn, they got a really... And after watching that, I was like, if they ever reboot Blade, there's the dude you want. Yeah. I mean, he's getting on a bit, but then again, so could Blade in that context. I'd like to see an older, more experienced. Well, wasn't this, we? How old was Wesley Snipes when he was in the role? Dude, he was in Long Winter Underwear by the time Blade Trinity came around. Oh, don't remind me of that one. He's got like a singlet on in that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Heimdall, how does Idris Elba manage to keep his dignity in that ridiculous armour? By being a badass. <laughs> I, he He's just a really good actor. And, he hasn't been in many movies and I'll be honest he's actually been in quite a few rubbish movies but in his TV work Dude, The Losers was awesome yeah um, <laughs> well, I'm going to get into a fight in a minute I love The Losers oh, um, but his TV work anyone who's seen his the stuff he's done on TV is absolutely fantastic and I'm not surprised that he's so good in this movie is it, uh, Luther he, is solo performance yeah, yeah Luther's really good Although, you know, the one I keep banging on about is The Wire. I'll see it, I promise. (laughs) But, um, yeah, he manages to make a huge impression. He's barely in the movie, though. He's only in it for, like, 15 minutes or something like that. Although he he does uh, deliver one line, which I totally disagree with, and in fact is proven wrong by the movie. Uh, When Thor says, I have no plans to die today, he says, none do, and puts his sword in. It's like, no. There are plenty of people who plan to die today. At the end of the movie, Thor plans to die today. I want to say today is a good day to die. Yeah.
scene at the compound uh, where uh, Thor has to recover his hammer. It's it's fairly obvious while he's going in that he is not worthy at this point. He's not going to be able to pull it out, and it's going to be in that Excalibur moment. But when he still can't pull it out, and he just sort of falls, he only tries once, and then falls to his knees and roars in frustration. I, I, even though you can still see he is still an arse, and he's he's developing, but he but he's still relatively selfish and arrogant and conceited. You still feel dreadfully sorry for him well, at that, that point. That's the point he breaks. Yeah, because yeah. that's his only in his that's his only way home in his eyes. Yeah, and it's sort of like his father's put it there just to taunt him. Hmm. And it's, yeah, he, he does seem confused, like, a, like almost like a dog. Like, why? Why are you doing this? Why have you put this T-bone steak in front of me if I can't eat it? It actually relates to um, The Ultimate 2. Who's read that? Me? I have yeah. a while ago. Yeah. Right. You know... Right. I'm actually not going to spoil this bit, but there is a flipping excellent bit involving Thor and Loki in The Ultimate 2, which ends in Thor on his knees in the rain, beaten. And it's straight out of there at that point. And J. Michael Straczynski, I believe, uh, did one of the drafts yeah. of the script, so I think he's referencing that. And then it's immediately followed by Loki messing and meddling with reality. And it, it's, it's like it's referencing that bit. Now, I don't know if they can do that bit in The Avengers. Now, I'm not spoiling this because I honestly recommend that you folks go out there, read The Ultimates and The Ultimates 2, but stop before you get to The Ultimates Don't, no, don't, 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 read, don't make my mistake. Please do yeah. not read 3. The Ever. first four books, which I will actually list on this uh, podcast notes. Honestly, for, for a fantastic Thor story, that's the one. <laughs> a fantastic Thor story. Oh my god, no! <laughs> <Good> <laughs> okay, right. Am I allowed a little geek moment about this scene? Because there's another... Yes, there's, there's another person, he's on my list. Go for it. I have to talk oh, about it. It's, it's my, yes, that's my scream moment. Uh, I don't know why, <laughs> but the only archer in any comic book I really love is Hawkeye. And we get to see... I'm, and I'm probably going to butcher Jeremy his name. Renner. Renner, who just lately has made a career out of being a total badass. Um, yeah. But him playing Badai and the comments Hawkeye is coming out with while he's watching Thor fight. You know, you might want to send some more guys out. I'm starting to root for it. I'm to root for this guy, yes. <laughs> it's a nice way of... Uh, it ties it into the Avengers, but it's... I don't know. This was, again, uh, from Iron Man 2 and this and Cap... People were sort of going, Avengers. It's almost like they were complaining that the Avengers was being pitched this early. I think that's more a problem with, again, Iron Man 2, like we talked about on the show, where that whole middle bit is sort of more, like, settled for the Avengers. It's yeah. not so bad here, but they're sort of trying to pull the, the sort of Black Widow here in having Clint yeah. already there, but not as a bigger role as Scarlett Johansson, but mm. just... The moment, because I, I went with friends who have no clue about the Marvel Universe, and then I saw this, uh, I saw this arm reach in and go for a gun, and then go through a bar, and I just sat forward in my seat and went, "Is it?" Because I didn't know, I didn't know. It's totally him. I was yeah. the only person in the cinema who went, "Yes!" Everyone else was like, "What? What is that going on?" Yeah. And it's, of course, everybody it's, else is thinking, "Why is he going? Why is he going arrow? There's a sniper rifle right there." Yeah. yeah, and it's, it's not even like delivered in a "You are Hawkeye of the Avengers" kind of way to to explain to the audience why I wasn't mental. Yeah. But, uh, as soon as he reached for the bow, my housemate went over to me and just went, "Who's that?" <laughs> he knew it was important, but I had no idea nice. who it was. Um, 
So yeah, it's, it's a really nicely done scene. We get Agent Coulson in again. At, uh, of course that was. Which universe is the, the, the pulling the hammer scene from? Because I'm sure that's been done in a comic book before. Pulling the hammer. You know the comic where Stanley makes his cameo? I didn't. Oh, that bit. Yeah, like, did it work? Yes. There's but another cameo there as well. J. Michael Straczynski plays one of the townies, yeah. Oh. I believe the Silver Surfer tried to lift Thor's hammer one time and actually yeah. managed to do it. There's only, the comic people, there's only two people who've ever lifted his hammer. Um, Silver Surfer and Hulk. Hulk? Ooh. I do not want to think about Hulk let loose mm. with Thor-powered Hulk. Oh no, he, he just throws it. He can't. Yeah, yeah, no, he doesn't get the power of Thor. He's no, just he's so strong that he can lift it lift anyway. Stan Skarsgård? Stan Yeah, we, we can't not mention Stan Skarsgård. He's... Good, nice, believable as a, 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 a former professor. Yeah. And much better than he was in, say, a certain Disney trilogy of movies. Oh, yes. Oh, God, he was rubbish in those. <laughs> uh, he wasn't in the first one, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yes, yes um, so he's in the last two. He's referenced in the first one. Uh, actually, he reminds me most of his character in Goodwill Hunting. Jerry. My, my girlfriend says that, but I haven't seen that movie, so I can't, uh-huh. I can't confirm nor deny that. Doesn't he also refer to, there's once this professor I was... Yes, he, he refers to... <laughs> Forerunner in gamma radiation. Yeah, yeah. The, the banner reference, which is quite yeah. cool. That's neat. It'd be nice, because he's in the event, so he can go, wait a minute, you're not Bruce Banner, and neither was that other guy. <laughs> the Warriors 3? Well, the Warriors <laughs> 3, although Sith gets... Oh, right. Yeah. And I like the fact that they, they sort of made them warriors of different cultures as well. Actually, that's that's one of the things I didn't like, because, I'm sorry, but that guy's such an Asian stereotype, it's kind of offensive. Yeah. And what's an Asian stereotype doing on a different planet? What's Heimdall doing on a different planet? Well, true. And if you're Uh, a Thor fan, where's Baldur? Why have they all got British accents? has eaten him. Oh my god, that was his bone that he was chewing on. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, that's wrong. Interestingly, someone mentioned that Volstag, Ray Stevenson, was also the third incarnation of the Punisher. He was yeah, in the yeah, last no, he was. Yeah. Movie. I can't remember what it was called. War yeah. Journal? Uh, Punisher Warzone? Warzone, it was, yeah. It was really bad. Um, yeah, don't watch it. Uh, so was the Punisher. So was the Punisher. But then again, Idris Elba's in the new, the latest Ghost Rider as well, so... That's also really bad, don't watch it. <laughs> Do you want to yeah. go ahead and guess that the fourth Punisher film's going to be shit, too? I think they actually have given up on the Punisher now, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, Which just... is a shame, because I think he could be a good movie if they actually tried, but... If anyone's uh... ever read the Garth Ennis story, Welcome Back Frank... That would be awesome. There's a bit where they some... tried to do with the first movie, but they did reference half asked it. With... <laughs> they couldn't call Spacker Dave Spacker Dave. They had to just call him Dave. There's a bit where some gangsters chase Frank into a polar bear pit, and to escape, Frank punches the polar bear, who, in a fit of rage, just knocks one of the gangsters' heads clean off. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. We must return to Asgard. Have to stop Loki. What about you? Do not worry, my friends. I have a plan. We need to pull back. Come on.
Taking their lives will gain you nothing. So take mine and end this. Okay, so the moment of self-sacrifice when it comes, um, when it's uh, one of Starks, I don't know, he never tells me anything, when the uh, Destroyer comes down, and, um, and Thor just walks down the street, and the, the Destroyer's you know, blowing shit up. It's like a Western. He's like Gary Cooper going out to face the, uh, the, the men who want to kill him. And yeah, it's, it's totally validating all of this sort of stock that you put in the character, that yeah, actually he is going to sacrifice himself for everybody else. He does... Um, he was broken by the fact that he couldn't pick up the uh, the hammer, but he does see that there is one last good thing he can do, and I just love that bit. It's, it's the it's the it's the culmination of all that build up of yeah, he's learned he's now worthy. Mm. The moment he sacrifices himself, he's worthy. Yeah, Room always gets a little dusty when I watch that bit. That's one of the bosses in Ultimate Alliance, isn't it? Yeah, stamps on you. And the Frost Giants were a hell of a lot more scarier in that game. Yeah. I mean, they were scarier in uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the greatest Marvel series ever made. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man, as in the 90s one. Spectacular. Spectacular Spider-Man oh. or X-Men for me, sorry. <laughs> Nostalgia. As in Wolverine and the X-Men, or... No, X-Men. That one. To me, my X-Men. We could argue back and forth over the cartoons, but we're not here for that, we're here for Thor. But I'm the best I am at what I do.
that's the emotional peak for me. After that, all of the sort of battling in Asgard, I suppose it's, yeah, it goes back to the place where the silly costumes are. I mean, like, no, when Thor's costume comes onto him, that is bloody awesome. You're like, yes! And he's up in the middle of a, of a, of a hurricane, and he's swinging his hammer, and then he destroys the destroyer really quite fast. It really il- illustrates how powerful he is in that mm. form, because when he's just mortal, the yeah. destroyer just whacks him <laughs> once and he's dead. But yeah. when he's four, he's like, whatever, destroyer, to my ass. With yeah. meow meow. In the case of, <laughs> backhand me, will ya? Yeah. It looks yeah. a bit silly, because they both got capes. Yeah, I think he's got the cape, because he's no uh, caps. officially ruler of Asgard. Oh, do you have to wear a cape at that point? Yeah. Yeah, you, so. it's, it's the rules. Cape, mm. ruler of Asgard. Cape, staff, makes a noise. Yeah. After Odin wakes up from the Odin sleep, how big is his Odin dump? <laughs> <laughs> it is as though the Midgar serpent has laid siege oh, to the Odin stop, colon. Stop. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> I have to piss like an Odin waste. <laughs> <laughs> Odin's starving. So yeah, no, after after this point, it's it's all kind of the cosmic stuff again. It's not that it, it ends on a kind of an uh, moment, but it's just n- nothing can really compare to that moment of, of extreme e- elation when Thor gets his hammer back. It's so, more, more the ending of tying up loose ends, sort of, yeah. isn't it? Just getting the throne back and all that. But there is going to be a Thor two. It's it's scheduled to start uh, filming later this year and actually be released uh, later next year. So. I'm kind of wondering what they can do with it because well, well this progression to being a selfless person uh, is is the interesting bit. So you know, what, give him his powers back. You're like, oh, okay, he's, he's a god again. This one, from what I've read, is more uh, fleshing out Asgard because uh, the guy that they've got to direct it uh, happens to be one of the directors for this little television series that people keep telling me that's really, really good called uh, what is it? Game it's of something. Thrones. <laughs> Yes, I found out about that a few minutes before I started the show. I was like, <gasps> whoop. Yeah, no, the, that uh, that gentleman's quite good at uh, getting good dialogue out of people. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I like the fact that Marvel have, uh, rather than just doing, you know, culminating in the Avengers again, right, let's scrap that. Let's start up with, uh, what can we start up with again? Um, let's well, do a Fantastic Four. They continue it. They are introducing some new ones. I think Black Panther is rumoured to be on the way. That would be good, because he's one of the, the last major Marvel characters who still hasn't had a film. Silver Surfer certainly deserves his own one. And I, think, and I, I think also... Well, I don't know. Strange has been rumoured. And also there's the... Is it Edgar Wright? He's been trying to get uh, Ant-Man yeah. off the ground. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that never really sounded like it tied in with the regular Marvel Universe. It's more of a parody. On the possibility with the Doctor Strange and all that sort of thing, there's a whole bunch of things show up in the first scene with the Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the Weapons Vault. There's oh, right. Are they all linked to Doctor Strange and all of Not this? all of them. Um, What's up with them? It, the Infinity Gauntlet's there. <gasps> You're kidding. No, it's oh? there. It's, there's photos of it on the Marvel website as well. Nice. And there's a big thing shaped like an eye, which may or may not the be... The eye of Agamotto. Agamotto, yeah. Nice. And there's a few others, but I have no idea what they are. Well, okay. I, th- th- you know, now that Thor's been done to set precedent that it doesn't have to be based in a scientific world, they could definitely do Doctor Strange, but it depends on who they get to play Strange. They keep saying Johnny Depp, and I don't want no, it to be Johnny no. Depp. No, Johnny Depp is not You need no, somebody who's enough. a bit more regal, I think, to do Doctor Strange. I don't and know about you. 
Yeah, you're right. He, and he needs to be slightly older than what you... Yeah. yeah. Like, he's an older character. Not he's as a, sexy, straight off. No. Well, I'm willing to bet a few years ago somebody would have said Nick Cage. But oh, the, God, no. Uh, Probably uh, because you're a superhero. Uh, I'll do it. No, Nick Cage could have played Beta Ray Bill with his horse face. Hammer man! Hammer! Hammer man! Hammer! Whenever there's a crime, some cooks are gonna do time. They all better beware, cause the Hammer Man will be there. Here's how it started a long time ago. The legend of the Hammer and how it began to grow. He was given magical shoes. Sorry, wrong hammer. Wrong God of Thunder. And like all Asgardians, Thor is not truly immortal, but relies upon periodic consumption of the golden apples of Idun to sustain his extended lifespan, which to date has lasted many millennia, apparently. With Thor, I'm glad they referenced the secret identity thing without actually using it. Yeah, with Donald Blake. Yeah, in the original comics, um, Thor was banished to Earth, Oh no, hang on. In the original comics, Donald Blake, a crippled old man, found Thor's hammer and then was imbued with the power of Thor. And then later you found out that Thor was banished to Earth and then could only be released by Blake with the stump. Hitting the cane on the ground or something and the cane turned into the hammer and, yeah, somebody was on drugs. Hang on. Comic books. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it was Kirby. I'm glad they went down the ultimate route of just saying he's yeah. four. Just forget yeah, about the alter ego. Yeah. Works much better for that. But yeah, I'm going to give uh, huge props to Jack Kirby, actually, who has actually been massively important in uh, in the creation of various Marvel characters and indeed universes. If it's to do with, you know, space and fantasy, and, you know, he's, he did DC as well. A lot of the uh, the stuff to do with uh, Mr. Miracle and, and Apocalypse is all to do with Jack Kirby. Yeah, the, the old Dark Side stuff. Yeah, or Dark Side thing. Uh, and he's just had a massive, massive impact on all of these characters that we love. And he's so often not credited because he didn't live long enough for us to really, um, you know, ha- have him in our lives. So it was always Stan Lee, Stan Lee, Stan Lee, because yeah, Kirby but... wasn't around. Yeah, all of that cosmic stuff. And that was the tough sell. That was the bit that basically meant they were like, they had to get away from the Stan Lee universe and all the science stuff and go into Kirby's universe and the unknown, and the crazy, and the magical, and the cosmic. And they pulled it off. 
Yeah. In most people's eyes. I know there's some people on the forums who are who don't like this movie. It's fair enough. I, I guess it isn't to everybody's taste, but I love this movie. This replaced Iron Man for me. This is my favourite Marvel movie. Thor, much like Superman, ultimately taps into the same very primal need for a shining hero from the sky. There has been much written on how the comic book characters of the 20th century are modern representations of Greek heroes and mythological archetypes. Thor has the fortune to be one of the originals and requires very little updating. Also, like the best representations of Jesus, he is humanized and displays weaknesses of character that he ultimately has to overcome in order to become the saviour. This speaks to all of our misgivings at the many tiny little selfish acts we perpetrate every day, knowing we could be better people. Thor proves that it's quite possible to lay down that arrogance without any superpowers at all and goes from being Old Testament to New in the space of a movie. Time will tell as to whether this super-Jesus can entertain us in the future without such transformative character arcs to lean on. At the very least, he can smack that grin off of Stark's face. Well, thank you very, very much, gentlemen. And uh, would you like to pimp your shows? Uh, you can find me at com, which is a website all about discussing uh, games in detail. The podcast take one game and we discuss it in detail, and there are lots of reviews and articles on the website as well. And you can also occasionally find some stuff of mine on Gonzo Planet. You can find me over at gameburst.co.uk where we have a weekly video game show. Sometimes we have a quiz midweek or sometimes roundtable, so go, go there and check it out. And occasionally found here on Gonzo Planet as well. And thank you very much, Jerome and Paul from Gonzo Planet as well. And I'm going to leave you on the Foo Fighters song Walk, which was released very close to the uh, final cut of uh, Thor. You know, on hearing it, I believe it was Kevin Feige who, who actually said, no, this totally works for this film. And it does. Thor has, has gone through his entire life believing himself to be this one person and is now learning to walk again in this other man's shoes. So we will see you next week for Captain America. You've been listening to Digital Gonzo, I've been Alex Shaw, and Avengers Assemble.
They're the only clothes I have that would fit you. They will suffice. You're welcome. This mortal form has grown weak. I need sustenance. 